0: Greetings, Rebel fans. My name is Jason Kelly, and welcome to the Let's Run podcast. Today in the show, we are breaking down UNLV's disappointing performance in the Mountain West Championship game. Uh, We're talking a little bit of UNLV hoops. I once again have on my friend and Rebel fanatic, Kevin Paul. Grateful for you guys for checking out the show, and let's get into it. Alright, Rebel fans, we are back with my friend and Kevin. Yeah, sorry. My friend and Rebel fanatic Kevin Paul. Uh well, the Mountain West championship happened. Uh we both watched it. I was at the game, Kevin, you were watching on TV. Uh how'd you feel about it? <sighs> well <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's that science said everything. <laughs> so I mean
1: Look, if, if we talk about big perspective, I mean, this is probably, I mean, it's the best season UNLV's had that actually matters, you know, in terms of where they're at in division one now, but the game itself, I mean, a lot of people were saying this is Boise's game and it turned out to be so, I mean, I think Boise just had more experience. I mean, they own the Mountain West conference in football. Um, They, they know yeah what to expect from a championship game fans traveled well they came in expecting to win and and that's what they did and um i think just the experience showed and the lack thereof on you and lb side showed at the same time
0: yeah i, I would i i kind of use them when i wrote my uh Substack article i used the term wet the bed that phrase and i think that's pretty apt like i think we just kind of got there and kind of got scared and just didn't have the horses, the experience, the confidence. I mean, I think the players were prepared and hyped up. They they weren't un- overlooking Boise by any means, but the moment just seemed a little too big for us.
1: Yeah, I could see that. And another thing I've, I've noticed in a few of the games in the Rebel season, it, it seemed like we were going to live or die by the offense, um, but it kind of became more apparent towards the end of the season that it was up to the defense to perform and I mean right from the get-go I mean Boise scored quick and the offense was put in a position where they were forced to perform and I know that D had that pick six um in the first half and it seemed like okay you know we're okay but Boise the very next drive just hit a bomb for a touchdown and so it's it's almost like it didn't even matter um the defense kind of seemed like it was reverting back to what we picture a UNLV defense being historically. Um, but I I believe that they'll be able to make adjustments. And I, I think next year we'll see more of what we were accustomed to seeing in the beginning of the season with really good smash mount defense, not uh not giving up big plays. I mean, we were just burned over the top way too much. And it's so funny because everybody was talking about like UNLV can get burned, UNLV can get burned. And it seemed like we didn't even do anything to prepare about that. And we still got burned, even though everybody was saying like, it wasn't a secret by any means, and it yeah. wouldn't be a secret to our defense, but it still happened,
0: you know, it was, it was a concern all year that our, that our secondary and like, it felt like the only thing our defense had going for it was like a pretty, is an okay linebacking core. Uh, but like our corners, even our line, like even our defensive line, I thought was pretty rough in that game. And we were just kind of depending on Jackson Woodard to, you know, Jackson Woodard finished the season with like 118 tackles, which is monstrous. I mean, that's a ton of tackles, but that was almost by design. It felt like our whole defense just resided, just rested on our linebackers carrying us. And when you have a team that was willing to, you know, chuck it downfield and our guys had terrible, terrible, terrible eye discipline, you could tell they got tricked that flea flicker that Boise ran there was not one player on the Rebel defense that saw that fleet flicker coming. And none of them were disciplined. They all sold out to stop the run. And it just felt like defense finally, it had been kind of glued together the whole year, kind of taped, you know, maybe a couple of Band-Aid. And finally, Ashton Genty and Taylin Green, who, you know, really athletic, running and, and good players, just kind of stomped all over it and finally, you know, <laughs> took, took it out yeah. of his misery. yeah.
1: Well, and, and, and Boise, I mean, you look at the final stats, they had over 500 yards of total offense. And sheesh, usually when that happens, it's because the quarterback went off on a huge passing game. But that wasn't so. I mean, 300 yards of rushing, um, 300 rushing yards for the game for Boise State. And half of that was from... Uh, the running back GNT who he does, to be fair, seem like an SEC caliber back, kind of like Leonard Fournette almost. I mean, yeah, he was just a freight train that you couldn't stop. But, uh, you know, Green, the, the quarterback Green, he was 12 of 15, 226 yards. So he really didn't have to throw the ball much because um, it was set up perfectly through, you know, their run offense opened up holes and then the big play over the top that they could just burn us with. So... I mean, it was a perfect storm. They were more disciplined than us, less penalties, less turnovers overall better on third down i mean they were they were fifty percent on third down. I mean just everything and they were just better across the board I would say,
0: yeah, and it kind of felt like you know Boise's been here before they're they're the they're the kings of the group of they're not even just the kings of the mountain West. they're kind of the kings of the group of five i mean I know that you know some schools like Tulane and uh, there's a couple others. SMU, although SMU is going to be paying 100 million dollars to join the ACC, great decision there. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're just it just kind of seems like they're the kings. It's almost like you know we're a plucky young SEC team, say like Missouri, who ended up in the championship against Alabama, and or if you, if you know Vegas football, we're a really solid Centennial High School football team that has to play Gorman in the region final, you know, that's kind of what it felt like, like, like getting, just getting slapped around by somebody who just kind of has your number. And it was really disappointing because all week going into this game, the Boise media and the national media was really dismissive of the rebels. And I was like, man, these people don't believe in us and they're going to be wrong. At least I was hoping they were going to be wrong. Part of me and, you know, part of me probably knew that they weren't, (laughs) they were going to be right. But it was just kind of frustrating to like see it coming and not really feel like we could do anything to stop it.
1: You've got to think that the players and you know the entire football program for San Jose State was watching this game even more pissed off, thinking yeah.
0: That
1: could, I, and and from from a neutral perspective, you've got to think that Boise against San Jose State would have been. I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, but it would, it seems like it would have been a better football game, you know, for the, for the neutral fan. Uh, I think, I think San Jose state would have put up a much better performance than UNLV did, but you know, Boise state, they, they had our number. Um, they're a tough team always. And I was really hoping in the second half that it would kind of be like, you know, in the air force game, when we just came out and played a completely different game in the second yeah. half and as soon as we got that field goal, instead of being able to punch it in for a touchdown, it just kind of seemed like we were out of steam overall. And, you know, Boise State, they didn't give up another score, another UNLV score after that field goal. So hats off to them for, yeah. for clamping down on defense.
0: Yeah, I mean, you kind of have to tip your hat to them and just say, you know, we'll be back, we'll be better. The, the thing that's frustrating to me is like when you're looking at championship kind of seasons... There is no guarantee we're ever going to be back. That's what, that's what was so frustrating to me because like, even if we have another great season, say we go 8-4 and four next year, and that's still in a great season for UNLV, there's no, like Fresno basically gave their spot away to us to get into this game. Air Force fell apart at the end of the year. It just felt like when you have a chance to win and you don't take it, It's, it's going to be, it's something you're going to look back on for a long time. So I hope that the players, the coaches, they all, you know, have photos framed of Boise State celebrating on their home field (laughs) because, you know, if you want to get back, it's going to take a lot. Okay. I was hoping we would play somebody like North Texas, or I feel like every time you play in a crappy bowl game, it's always against North Texas. Uh, with the way the Mountain West affiliation goes. It's true. Boise played North Texas last year after losing in the Mountain West Championship game. So I was expecting, you know, East Carolina University opponent or something like that. And we get to play freaking Kansas. That sucks. I mean, like, Kansas is awesome. And what sucked more about it so is, I'm not super confident heading into that game unless Kansas's players just don't care about this bowl game at all. But what sucks even more about it And I shouldn't say it sucks because it's still a great opportunity against a Power 5 team that has had good success over the last couple of years. But we play Kansas next year. And I I watched Kansas actually a few times this year because I follow BYU football uh, pretty closely. And it's going to kind of depend on who's playing in the bowl game. Kansas has a – it's not Jalen Daniels. It might be – it's not Jaden Daniels because that's the guy from LSU. But uh, Kansas has a really, really, really good quarterback and a really good backup. And I just need to know who's going to be playing in the bowl game for me to have a good feel about how it's going to go. Um, but it is a chance. Like, say we beat Kansas and say, you know, UCLA beats Boise. Boise lost their starting quarterback to the transfer portal, by the way. Taylor Green put his name in the transfer portal. Um, and, wow. like, it would it would kind of help the season, you know, feel like a crowning achievement a little bit, you know?
1: Yeah, I, I would say so. I'm I, I, I you know, kind of looking through what Kansas is as a team. Um, they're heavy on the rushing. I mean, they're averaging mm-hmm. over 200 rush yards a game. They have one guy. Uh, he has 1,200 rushing yards on the season. It, they almost have as many rushing yards as they have passing yards. So picture what Boise State did in the conference championship game. Against the rebels, and that's what that's what Kansas is going to do. That's their bread and butter. So yeah. it, it's going to be really interesting to see how well we can adapt, knowing beforehand what Kansas wants to do. Having just come off a game where we weren't able to stop the run, which opened up the pass uh, on those on on those big pass plays, so uh, it should be a, a fantastic matchup. Luckily, it's just down in Phoenix, not far from from Vegas. Although, did you see that it's in the baseball stadium? Yeah, it sucks. Pretty interesting. It's it's a poor man's Fiesta Bowl. The, the Fiesta Bowl <laughs> owns this. The, the Fiesta Bowl owns this game. They they literally own the Guaranteed Rate Bowl. It's the same people. Is that true? Huh. Yeah. You look it up on their website for tickets, and it it it's like fiestabowl.com. dot com. But then you buy tickets for the Guaranteed Rate Bowl. So anyway, we're going bowling. That's what matters. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that, that is what matters. And we're going to get paid a fair amount for this bowl as well, which is a good thing. So I'm hoping that can help, you know, shore up the coffers and, you know, the UNLV storehouse of the football. Um, it's a pretty good matchup. I'll have a pod uh, maybe up. I'll have a pod up before the pod, you know, before the matchup itself, kind of previewing it. I'm glad that the players kind of get a week off because after getting smacked around by Boise State and Ashton Genty. Uh, I would probably need a little bit of a break too. Um, but yeah, so overall, I mean, disappointing performance. I would just say to rebel fans that Barry Odom is a good defensive coach. If you look at his performance as a coach at Missouri, he he was holding teams, even in his worst year, his six and six years and his 10 and two years, they were holding teams to like 21 points a game in the sec and, you know, even in a six and six year, it was like 25 points a game. Those are numbers that are going to be able to translate over time, which I don't think Barry Adams leaving this year. I don't think we're losing anybody. I think Mike Shearer is coming back, our defensive coordinator. I think uh, Brendan Marion's coming back, our offensive coordinator after he didn't get the job at UTEP. And so I would just say to like Rebel fans, even if this bowl game goes as bad as it could go, one, we're not playing against Ashton Genty and Taylor Green, which is nice. Uh, but Kansas, even if Kansas runs all over us, like I think there is hope that Barry Odom can put together a competent defense uh, in years two and three and four, hopefully. Uh, and I think that there's a lot of optimism about that.
1: Yeah, there there should be. I mean, th- this is great looking forward. I mean, something that the community can be proud of. The great yep. football team with fantastic, fantastic year. And yep. there could be much more to come. So... You brought up Boise's quarterback, putting his name in the transfer portal. There were rumors about Maiava doing the same thing, but you're able to put those to rest, aren't you?
0: Uh, Yeah. So it's actually a very funny story. It's been reported a few times today uh, about what happened. So yesterday morning, uh, you know, I'm preparing for my, I'm in law school. I'm preparing for my finals. uh, And I almost cracked myself when I got a tweet and a DM uh, saying Jaden Maeve has put his name in the, in the transfer portal. And I was like, wait, what, like what power five team is going to take him, you know, and offer him millions of dollars to come play there. I was confused. Cause I was like, he's a freshman. I, I just, I didn't see that coming. I don't think anybody saw it coming. It hit UNLV Twitter, like a bag of bricks. And we were waiting for confirmation of what, whether it was true or not. His name appeared in the transfer portal on two, four, seven sports, which was crazy. Um, and late last night, uh, well, actually, it was after, in the afternoon, it was, it was reported by Joe Arrigo and Jonathan Van Tobel uh, that Maeva was not, in fact, putting his name in the transfer portal. And nobody had any idea why his name was being mentioned as if it were in the transfer portal. And ultimately, it was because another player uh, from BYU, whose name was Jay... And then there was like a middle name, and then it was Maeva. And then he also had another last name because he's a Polynesian. Um, and there had just been a mix up. They just got the wrong guy. They, they, they saw somebody named Jay Maeva in the transfer portal. And the guy, I'm not sure which company reported it, but it was like a legit company reported it, uh, a reporting news company reported it. And he just gotten the names wrong. And so it gave Rebel fans a, you know, certainly a bit of a, a scare, but uh, it looks like cr- the crisis has been averted. Uh, Maeva will be back next year. I think Doug Rumfield will be gone. But as of right now, the Rebels only have, I think, two players in the transfer portal, and both of those players were not contributors on the roster this year. And so it seems like we are escaping the bloodbath with over 1,500 names in the transfer portal in the last 24 hours alone the rebels are escaping the bloodbath of the early transfer portal period. That's fantastic. Um, I I
1: think it helped in the beginning when we started hearing rumors about Barry Odom possibly being a candidate for some of these larger jobs where coaching vacancies have opened up with him coming out and saying, I'm not going anywhere. And it's not about the money. It's about the situation. And that was huge. And I think that must've been great for the players to hear, uh, it'll be fantastic. We can keep our coordinators as well. Keep that consistency. And I I think these are coaches that players want to play for. I mean, if you're, um, if you're an offensive player playing under, uh, coach Marion's offensive scheme, I mean, that's fun. I mean, it's, it's so different and abstract and you don't get that opportunity elsewhere. And I think the players are seeing that we're really building something here. Um, it's something to be proud of. So, I mean, like I said, again, um, great year. And if we can keep players around, that would be fantastic on the consistency standpoint.
0: Yeah. I mean, you, you think if you're a young running back coming out of high school, we had f- four guys go over 700 yards this year. We led the nation in rushing touchdowns. Like what a place to be a running back. What, what a play! you know, when you're running the go-go offense with two running backs on each, on the same side of the quarterback, there's just a lot of opportunity. Now, I I kind of wish that we had seen a little bit more of Doug Brumfield at quarterback because he was a bit more of a running threat. He was kind of more like Taylor Green than Jaden Maeva was, and Maeva had an issue with you know with turnovers, honestly, when he was running the the RPO. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know, I I think that there's a lot of hope and optimism going forward. I'm proud of the Rebels this year. I'll be previewing the the Kansas uh, game before it comes out. We do briefly. Need to touch on uh, running Rebel basketball. Uh, we are going from a you know a crowning beautiful great year to what is quickly becoming a dumpster on fire inside of a dumpster uh, with Kevin Kruger and his <laughs> r- and his roster. Uh, I felt a little bad about you know saying something a little rude about Jalen Hill in my last podcast because now he's out for the next four weeks. Uh, the Rebels are playing at Dayton tomorrow, and I think they're 11-point uh, underdogs against uh, the Flyers, and it just kind of looks bleak, man.
1: It does. Um, there, there are a lot of factors at play here, too. One, this is a revenge game for Dayton, mm-hmm. um, and I, I think they would be upset about losing to the Rebels um, just with how the year ended up for UNLV last season. Um, Dayton looks like a great team, uh, Holmes, a second on there. He's a he's a forward for Dayton, averaging 15 points a game. They've they've got a lot of versatility. But Dayton's a big favorite in this game. I, something interesting that I want to point out that's kind of I don't know if it's nitpicky or not, but looking on ESPN uh, on the Dayton schedule, just seeing like just how like the t- you know you can see where the ticket prices are for like if you want to buy a ticket to that game. So the yeah. the game against UNLV. $4 a ticket. Tickets as low as $4 to see UNLV play at Dayton. 4 um, The only game that is cheaper to go to for Dayton basketball than the UNLV game is the next game against uh, University of Troy, which I believe is in Alabama. And those tickets are $2. So... is it is it is it just sad like i don't know if i'm nitpicking it but it 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 just makes me so sad like do you know the you know we used to go on the road and that was a big deal but i don't know if i'm just reminiscing about better times it upsets me (laughs) yeah it upsets me
0: yeah it ticks me off too and last year we beat dayton and it was by far our best win of the year although dayton did not end up having as good of a year as we thought they were going to have last year, they were predict predicted to be a tournament team last year, and I think they finished. Um, they had 22 wins last year, I mean that's pretty good, but they lost a lot of games against us again, uh, but, you know they didn't win their conference, they lost to Missouri, uh, St Louis um and so they're going to have some revenge factor going in for sure. I think they still have I't oh, do they still have that uh they got that guy Kobe Elvis, which is like the coolest name of all time. Uh, and they've, <laughs> they've also got that Mongolian, the Mike guy. I think he's still on their team. He's like the six nine Mongolian forward, which is uh he is really cool. He's got like the greatest shooting form of all time. I think he's still on their roster. But uh, yeah, I'm not seeing a good result coming tomorrow. Uh, I'm kind of worried about them just absolutely blowing us out because they're gonna they're gonna be motivated, they're gonna be at home. And we're missing our best defensive player, who isn't that good at defense this year, to be honest. But he is, in theory, our best defensive player. Uh, Shane Noel is... I never know if it's Noel or Noel. uh, But he is not coming back for this game. He is still at least a couple weeks out. I, I don't know if I'd even expect him before conference play. And that has been a massive loss for this team, as we're just too small on the perimeter. But everybody else should be healthy and ready to go. Uh, so we're missing Hill, Noel, and we're still missing Keelan Boone, who is uh still not received an answer from the NCAA. How does our team score tomorrow?
1: You know, it's it's gonna be interesting because Dayton is a defensive team this year, especially. I mean, they're they're averaging uh 64 points against per game. Um, so they're at their offense. They're averaging 70 points a game. While UNLV were averaging almost 73 points a game, which is interesting, but it's on defense. They're averaging 64 points against, and that's going to be tough. Um, yeah, I I, I I couldn't tell you where the, the points, I mean, my only answer that I feel like has been consistent is going to be Caleb Boone. Because he's been able to get points down low somehow for us, and you know, just hope that Jackie Johnson can come off the bench and hit a bunch of threes. But it really depends on how disciplined we are on offense. If 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 Deion Thomas, if he can settle down the offense, we can get our looks. I mean, you can't be jacking up early threes in the shot clock. Um, and when we do take the three, we got to make it. I um, think Justin Webster's doing a little bit better recently in hitting the three. Um, I think. Luis Rodriguez, he's doing a little bit better as well in driving. And I think when he slashes and he cuts to the basket, he's doing fantastic. If it's not a layup, he's at least drawing the foul. So I think a little bit more discipline on offense is going to be needed for this game.
0: Yeah, I was at the Akron game, uh, you know, despite the fact that we almost blew it late in the game. There was a lot of positive things to take away from that that performance. Uh, And Luis Rodriguez was definitely, you know, the highest amongst them. Uh, he was playing a lot more disciplined. He wasn't just jacking up threes. He was getting to the line. He was driving through contact. Uh, and I think, honestly, what it's going to take, and this is what I would tell Kevin Kruger right now, your strategy for success is a balanced Luis Rodriguez um, slash Caleb Boone attack, and then you know DJ kind of running the show, and then let Jackie Johnson cook. I never thought I'd say that in my life. But, uh, <laughs> but I think Jackie Johnson is our best bucket getter on the Actually, I know Jackie Johnson is our best bucket getter on the team. And at times last year, Kruger was definitely trying to rein him in, trying to get him to play a more efficient style of basketball. Johnson's a good scorer, and he's going to be able to get shots off, let him take a couple of threes, take some haymakers. You're not going to win this game. Bias with a stout defensive effort. You're not. You're going to win this game by getting hot on the offensive side of the ball. And I think that only and that starts with Jackie Johnson uh, and Justin Webster getting some open corner threes. There, there's a path for UNLV to win this game. I don't think it's likely, but um, we could be in for some dark times ahead. After Dayton, we play Loyola Marymount. That's at the Dollar Loan Center in Henderson. Uh that's a game that Ken Palm has us winning right now. And then we play Creighton and St. Mary's. I think that between this Dayton, Creighton, and St. Mary's game, the, these three kind of tough non-conference games, I think we have to win one of them uh, in order to kind of you know make this non-conference schedule, which we were all so excited about, feel worth it. Which one would you say that we have the best chance of winning of the three?
1: I think of the three, it's got to be St. Mary's. Um, they're having sort of a down year. I, I think, for their expectations, it seems like that could be a game where, and especially where it's neutral site, it, I believe that game's down in Phoenix. Um, it is, yeah. Where we don't have to play at St. Mary's. Um, something could happen there, and and it's you know not for another 11 days from now where we could get some good injury updates on our team, get some health back. And I think after coming out of these games against Dayton, Loyola Marymount, Creighton, we'll have some good experience against Real quality opponents that maybe can translate to something good in the St. Mary's game.
0: Yeah, I mean St. Mary's is three and five on the year. They lost at home to Weber State. They lost at home to University of Utah. They just got cl- they got clobbered by San Diego State. I mean that's probably our best shot, but it's not like that's a top twenty Ken Palm win win either. Uh, it's not like that, that's not like beating St. Mary's last year where they were nationally ranked, had a good defense. Uh, I would say that's probably our best shot, too. So I think that the Rebels are going to win. I'll make a bull prediction. I think the Rebels are going to win either the Dayton or the Creighton game. Um, There's going to be something fluky. I don't have any great, you know, objective reason for making that prediction. But I, I think that, you know, they're going to show some fight here. I don't know that losing Jalen Hill is going to be as bad, at least in the very short term, as it seems. Um, now, obviously, going forward over the next three or four weeks, we do need him. I'm not, you know, he's a very he might be the best player of the team actually. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I just hope that these guys can get ready for conference play. That Kevin Kruger's only real shot to, to salvage this thing, and hopefully, this next few stretch of games can can help them do that. Uh, how how do you feel about their perspective chances in the Mountain West Conference?
1: You know, I haven't looked too much into the Mountain West except for what I've heard as far as, you know, San Diego State's ranked. Colorado mm-hmm. State's having a fantastic year. Nevada has had a fa- fantastic Reno. year so far. Yeah. Sorry, Reno. Sorry, mm-hmm. said the N-word. Um,
0: yeah. <laughs> sorry. sorry. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs>
1: Other than that, I I can't say, you know, we always play a tough Air Force team or, you know, Wyoming. There's always, like you said, there's always these fluky games, especially when you get into conference. I'm hoping, though, that where, you know, like every year it seems to be a brand new Rebel team, that this year it's a lot of, um, just a lot of struggles learning what everybody wants to do and a lot of problems gelling to begin the season, but hopefully it can get going once we get to conference play, we just need to put together a couple wins in a row. And I think that would do wonders. Uh, if we could get a little win streak going, I think that could do wonders for this team's confidence and a little bit more uh, cohesion with that.
0: Yeah. I mean, beating Dayton or beating Creighton. I mean, Creighton, Creighton got clobbered by Colorado State this year. I, I think we need to win one of these, one of these games to, to get some confidence in ourselves, to tell ourselves, hey, we can beat San Diego State. We can beat New Mexico. And I don't know that we will, but at the end of the day, you know, if, if this season goes as bad as the computers say that it will for us, Kruger's going to get fired anyway. So give it your best shot and go out there and just give it your all. And I think that the Rebels will do that right now in terms of the net rankings, which is the most important ranking probably in college basketball outside of Ken Palm. We are second to worst in the conference. The only we are ranked to like 205th out of the 365 teams in the country based off of net rankings um and the only school worse than us in the mountain west is fresno state who seem to be in the midst of another terrible season except when they playoffs, of course um (laughs) and so i would just say you got nothing to lose go for it you know let jackie johnson cook let jackie cook um and give it your best shot any other thoughts
1: no, I, I'd, say, I'd say that, and, and I'm really hoping that, you know, these next couple of games will be good experience for us. And if we could come out with a win in uh, one of these next four games, that would just be fantastic going into conference play. And if we can get a win against, uh, you know, Hofstra and Carroll, I think that's our opportunity, you know, St. Mary's Hofstra and Carroll to get a win streak going into where then we open Mountain West play at San Diego State. That could be huge with a three-game win streak going into that. Uh, but you know, remains to be seen.
0: We'll we'll see how the how the year unfolds. Yeah. Well. Uh. Yeah. So that that's got, that's just gonna be do it. Ah, sorry about that. That's just gonna about do it for the Let's Run podcast today. I want to thank Kevin for jumping on, and we will talk to you soon, bro. Thanks for having me again. All right. See ya. Alright, so I want to thank you guys for checking out the podcast today, hope you have a wonderful night, and let's run!